Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. What's top of mind for y'all this week? Uh, Stability is the top thing on my mind today. Monitoring and stability. I think that that's uh, one of the challenges we're facing this week is just, you know, how do you monitor for things and really ensure the experience is is really stable? And how do you know when things break before your, your customers do? And so that's definitely been something that's been top of mind for us. And really using our user funnel. That's something we'll be looking at to go through and say, how can we monitor for every step to see where things are are breaking and uh, where we see things that we're not expecting. So we're, we're going to be spending a lot of effort there. So it's fun stuff because it's funnel, but monitoring. <laughs> Sounds great. Let's dive in. Can you, can you reiterate the problem that y'all are experiencing today? Yeah, I would say the problem is, uh, you know, we have our, our browser extension and, um, you know, it's one of those things like it's a it's a really complicated it sits on top of, you know, Salesforce and these really complex uh, items and, and these apps. And, uh, you know, there's times where you can get into to different states and it can things can happen and it can be just because there's so many different external factors, it can be really hard to figure out what's going on. So just looking at constantly and, and we were talking with some of the, the people at Zoo, uh, Loom yesterday and mm. it's just a fact of having browser extensions. So, you know, looking at that and figuring out how we can best, um, how we can best just make sure that things are are constantly working. And when we run into a hiccup, how we can get there as quickly as possible when there's basically an infinite number of possibilities. <laughs> uh, different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really part of what we're what it's we're like looking at, and then manifest E three too. So that's <laughs> it's been browser. It's like basically performance monitoring for net new products is kind of like the topic. Mm, I like that, right? Because yeah. I think there's this, you know, rush about we want to create things, we want to get them out to market, we want to do it as fast as possible, and everybody, you know, what's the trade off to doing that? You can't always do everything perfectly. And usually what comes at the cost is, oh, it's all right. We'll figure out how to track that later, right? Until some point where that later comes. <laughs> yeah, and then I feel like, question. Yo, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, go for it. Go for it, Kevin. Uh, just thinking about data instrumentation, right? Like how savvy are we at um, eventing and building that data architecture uh, in order to make these decisions? <laughs> One, do we know what to track? We might not, right? And, th- and that, that's probably an issue. Um, but but could we? Um, and are you tracking have like it? a catch-all bucket? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are we tracking it? If not, you know, instrumenting the right data pipes to, to get you that information and the, the tools in order to... Uh, uh, um, analyze on top of it. Now, tell me a little bit more about your data stack today. Are you all using like Looker or any kind of BI visual tool? Um, I'm assuming. Yeah, so we're 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 building that up right now. We're actually rebuilding and rearchitecting our data pipeline, which mm. is great. So we're great. using uh, Tableau today, and we've yep. just really been building that up over the last. Uh, I would say six months or so. And then we're just about to start implementing Databricks to really start to speed things up as well. Uh, What do you use Databricks for? 
so that's really just part of our event pipeline. So right now, if you look, uh, we use DBT today, which is just really, really slow as far mm-hmm. as just uh, transforming the data. And so uh, basically, you know, anytime we look, load a dashboard, it's very, very, very slow. And then we also yeah. have, we use segment as well so that uh, within segment, we can put any any type of product analytics on it. Today we're using Woopra. And so, uh, what was that last big, one? Sorry, Woopra. It's just Woopra. like a. It's an analytics platform that sits on top of Segment. What's great about Segment is you can kind of plug and play any any type of analytics um, platform uh, yeah. on there, and it just you know feeds on the data in oh, your system. So there's so, so many good tools here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm so fascinated because I mean, there's a lot of SaaS partners in the space right now, and like the, the stacks are so different. I mean, at Ibotta, what did we use? Like Looker, Snowflake um amplitude right like there was so many different other things and like, you can have a completely different stack and you're learning those basics too and then yeah. being able to to instrument data on top of that um it's it's yeah it's an interesting space i, I think we're using uh, pendo right now for product analytics yeah. um and we also have ga right so more of the acquisition type of metrics but um i think that data instrumentation around eventing is something that you know we're trying to get better at um do you guys have that kind of set up are you using a certain thing for eventing at this point right now we're just using segment and then we can plug other things on top of that so you know what's great about that is is we can just basically plug in whatever we want so we have SendGrid, which sends out like our comms and things like that and you know we're doing things at at a you know well, we're going to add a lot more dynamic events and things like that in the future, just because a big part of what we do is being very, very um, personalized. Um, yeah. But I think one thing you touched on, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well, just in your careers. Uh, I think one thing that I love that's emerging is generally just like architecture is strategic, right? And I think yes. that wasn't true when I first started my my career here Uh in product, what, 13, 13 years ago. And so it's really interesting that it's such a core part of the product strategy now. And I'd love to see if you, if you guys have found the same thing, you know, both at Ibotta and, and now at Chuzel. Yes. <laughs> in short, um, I think there's always a trade-off of that, right? Like, can we move things faster? Can we, is it easier to use? I, I think there's, there's a, a bias towards, you know, the new tools and systems that are available today and like the modern stack, which, you never really get there, right? Like it's always like this, uh, mm-hmm. we'll get to more modern stuff and then we get to more modern stuff and then there's more modern stuff. So it's just like, they're, they're constantly out of sync with um, the latest and greatest. And and so there's always a balance with that, right? Like you have, uh, I think if you've been at a company that has been around for a while and you're coming into it, you know, we, I've repeated this on the podcast, but you have those monolithic architectures, typically mm-hmm. you're breaking out into uh, the na- latest and greatest, right? Microservices, CICD, like there's some of those things that um, I think can really aid in product development. Um, but maybe having a framework around that to guide the decisions around architecture is probably the most important thing. So absolutely, it's part of the strategy. Um, if the goal is to innovate fast and you define innovation by like delivering customer enhancements and then you know, um, the ability to do that well, right? Uh, I think it, it kind of sets everything up where architecture plays a crucial part of it. So in that scope of the project, it's not, you're right, it's not just the front end design components that interact with the user. No, it's 
how are we going to actually do this in the architecture side? And PMs have to have more of that savvy around how to, how does that actually work? You know, and, and don't take that at surface level. I think a lot of folks just like, Oh yeah, it's going to take a year to implement and they don't actually drill down and like, Oh wait, why is there some unknowns is, you know, like, why is this so difficult? And, um, and I yeah. think people better understand like that the, that having a great platform actually impacts the user experience more than I think we did or more that was talked about, I guess, you know, several years ago. It's also, it's just generally speaking, part of the product life cycle, right? You care about different things as, as you grow forward. And usually every, we all kind of like run into this fundamental problem somewhere, which is the decisions that we made to get us a couple thousand users or the di is different than the decisions we need to make to get us a couple million users. And the balance in between those is, you know, pretty fundamentally interesting, right? You know, kind of to your point, like strategy take, evolves itself in the product world, not only in terms of the features and the functionality you build, which I think is where every, a lot of people get lost. They're always so focused on, oh my gosh, but we need to deliver insert X user facing mm -hmm. feature here. <laughs> and they're not taking a step back to think like, well, there's a lot of product management in the back end side of this as well that delivers that performance and that scalability and the things that you'll never see. It's funny is that that it's a it's a it's a battle that I don't think ever gets won at any particular company because it's always evolving in the same way that your product mm -hmm. is. And to think of and I think we all make the mistake sometimes, or many companies make the mistake of treating our platform or treating our backend like this. Okay, we did it. We have a platform. That's <laughs> true. And that's it, right? Oh, no, it's cool. Like, it just works. Like, the platform works like this. So we'll just adapt our UX around those platform mm. constraints. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've probably all heard that one, right? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's like, if you, if you don't have that tech savvy enough to truly <clears throat> understand the trade-offs and the decisions or like the challenges the dev team has in, in working within that code base. Like, for example, we're, we're kind of this, a, a, basically a new dev team and, and they're inheriting this old system. And that is a monolithic code base with no documentation and no instruction, right? So if a bug happens, how do they know what to do, right? Like it's so hard because they go into all these different code bases. There's all this nested functionality and business logic that is built into this monolithic architecture, which causes frustration because you can pull a string here and then the whole system breaks. <laughs> Wait, yeah. what, what did I do? <laughs> and so if you understand a challenge like that well enough to say, great, well, how do we then transition that and migrate to a new architecture that creates better mean time to recovery in the, in the long run for feature development and innovation. I think you're being an advocate for your team, aware of their pain points and concerns, and also in the long run will set you up for, to deliver good product. Well, I think that's a, as any product strategy, you know, changes over time, right? We, you know, as we go through it, I think, you know, as the teams get bigger and as every, t every area grows and, Jody and I were talking about this just the other day, right? It, initially, your product strategy starts out and you just start building things and building, building, building. And then eventually, the higher level conversation becomes more of an allocation question, right? So, okay, you know, where we're, our, where we're at at this point, you know, we start talking about, okay, cool. Well, if we have an engineering team that's 100, 100 people or something of that nature, okay, maybe we're going to dedicate half of our time 
to new features and functionality that drive sales pipeline and make sure that we hit our annual goals. Maybe we're going to drive another 30% is just architecture changes. And we're going to reserve another 20% for just keeping up with tech debt and things of that nature. And we start looking at these things like a true product strategy balances all of those things. But as the company gets bigger, you're not balancing it inside of a singular engineering squad with three or four people. And you're going like, oh yeah, this week, guys, we got to focus on some bugs. You're going, no, we need to make like a concerted effort across our entire org to deal with that. And so it's really like a, as the so, product strategy matures, you think about it in terms of allocation and time boxing and expense and expenditure, which is totally different. Yeah. And then Jody, how long have you been at uh, your, the latest company right now? Uh, so I've been here at Speckett for almost seven months. So seven months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're in I'm a similar time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, now, I mean, you had a product, right? At Speckett. Is that correct? VP of product, yep. VP of product, yeah. And uh, so, you know, you're coming in and kind of placing, helping the the leadership team place these bets, right? And leading through product strategy. I'm curious to get your perspective on this. Like, how does that conversation happen at the executive level to then inform the bets that you take on your teams? Yeah, so I am always a big believer in we start with the goals and the impact we want to drive at the company level. And that's been something, again, we're in a really unique phase where we've scaled from, I believe, 40 people last year to we're at like almost 180 people now. And so it's been a pretty large growth trajectory and just really have had that like new middle management uh, layer in there. So kind of going from the, the founders who were brilliant, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zari and Mel, uh, who were basically the PMs for the, everything in the product to really building out an entire org. And so that's really where we've been focusing a lot of our time on uh, what are the metrics and and goals that we have. And we've actually been using because we're, we're making some pretty substantial bets on, uh, you know, advancements on our learning platform. There's just a big need in the space, in the space, in the market where we are and to do things a little bit differently than how it's been done in the past. And so a big part of what we've been doing has been aligning on the use cases. So now that they're mm. not in really yeah. like designing everything, how are we, and that's been a big aha over the last few weeks is like, let's, when you think about aligning on impact for an experience, how do you do that? And the use cases are a great way to really ground in that. And it's like, okay, you know, we can all agree at the end of the day, if, if, uh, if our clients can do this, if our content creators can do this, if our employees and sales reps can do this, then we've really achieved the goal knowing that it's going to be iterative and, you know, Mm. it might be lightweight at first, it might not be the best experience, but we're going to continue to improve that over time. And that's been something that's been really effective as far as just getting alignment, uh, in the phase of growth we're at right now. You know, tell me about that because I'm, I'm, that is a challenge that I'm, I'm encountering today in my role is, is that alignment on use cases. Was there an exercise that you used or, or maybe like a framework that you used to really get to that um, resolution? We took that, that alignment. Yeah. Yeah. We've, start, again, like it's, this is, uh, 
we're, we're, we're really working on this right now. So <laughs> we're kind of talking about it. As we can share, we can share some advice then. <laughs> but yeah, we really, we really took and, you know, huge kudos to uh, Jacob, who's our, our head of design and UX. And so it was really thinking about the jobs to be done framework. Right. Mm, and so again, yeah. grounding, not, grounding and really what is the objective that, that, uh, that people are, are trying to solve and how can we align on if we solve that problem for them, this is, this is a good experience and then really giving the teams the room to decide the how like how does that experience actually play yeah right yeah i like that a lot and focus on the core problem and with that that user in mind and do do you find that you're you're misaligned mostly on the primary use case or more of the persona customer you're servicing I would say we're pretty we're pretty aligned on the use cases that we're solving for. There's yeah. we're very lucky to be in a space where uh, the need is very clear, <laughs> you know, uh, through just lots of t- both data, market research, and uh, generally talking and interviewing our clients and um, our viewers. Uh, our employees, it's really clear, like what the problem is to be solved. So that really hasn't been the challenge. It's been really just how do we go do that? And how do mm. we align and make sure that, you know, the product, all the product managers are, um, you know, working on, we're all just like seeing the same picture at the end of the day. And the use cases have been, yeah. uh, have been really helpful in that. I like that a lot. Cause I think, um, you know, when I, when I hear misalignment on the how, I, I, I feel like there's a misalignment on the goals or, or the focus. And then, you know, I kind of, I like that approach of like, okay, no, let's get back to that. Let's make sure we're aligned there. Okay, we're aligned there. Now let's get the team to see what you all see to make sure that they can figure out the how. And I think there's a little bit of jumping off a cliff there from a leadership perspective, right? I mean, there's, there's these people that have been doing it for a while or industry experts, right? They, they know, they know exactly what their clients want and what we need to build, right? Like, uh, and, and how does that translate to the team? How can we communicate that to the team so that they can come to the same conclusion, ideally a better conclusion, right? Um, and so I'm curious to see, like, what have you had any successes or learnings in that journey, um, being yep. that VP of product? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the biggest part of that is being able to to make sure that everyone appreciates how much context that the people who have been doing this for four years have and yeah. finding the communication channels and the discussions and the, I'm a, I, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Miro and just doing these like whiteboarding sessions in Miro with the, the leaders who have been there and know the context and have talked to hundreds of customers and have kind of been battle tested, <laughs> you know, uh, with the, with the PMs who are really talented, high, you know, data driven, hypothesis driven, like have yeah. great just like craftsmen in the discipline of product uh, and just finding avenues and opportunities for them to co-create together. That's where I want, that's where Mm. I'm really focused. Uh, I think we've, we've done that. um, We've experimented with that over the last six months and now we're kind of finding a groove and for our next initiatives that we're focused on, we really want to lean into that a bit more. Uh, You know, they're willing to provide their time and expertise, uh, you know, and so we want to take advantage of that, you know, and don't want it to feel like it's top down or bottoms up or there's a conflict. It's really like, how can you, how can I as a leader make it so that it's a co-creation experience and everybody just Mm. brings what they have to the table to create the best solution for our customers? I love that. Is there any like tactical examples that you can share, like that can inspire or create that environment? 
outside of using Miro? Yeah, so I, I really think it's, again, like Miro is just a great facilitation, you know, I mean, you can use anything, but just right. like finding a, a framework where you can go in and align on, okay, first start with like, what are the goals we're trying to achieve with this initiative? What data do we have about anything that we know right now? You know, so we can really get grounded in here's the facts about today, because what can happen a lot of times is, you know, loudest customer wins. And so let's really right. let's try to surprise people with data. Like I've uncovered this thing that's really interesting. Right. And so asking everyone to do that. And then you is know, that pre-work in order to get into the session? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so we're actually going into in May, we're flying everyone out uh, to Denver, which would be really exciting. Uh, first time many of us have met. Uh, And this is exactly what we're going to do. So we're going to do some, we're going to do like, let's look at all of our defects and let's do some analysis Mm -hmm. there. Let's look at all of, we use canny for capturing our feature requests. Let's do some analysis there and and figure that out. Let's take Mm -hmm. all of the research we've done and highlight the themes. Uh, Let's look at win loss analysis. Let's look at competitive market analysis in our category and just do kind of like 15 minute flash presentations. We'll sign those out to the team. We'll look at our funnel analysis. So we have a bunch of these things where we can just ask people to be curious, like go in, dig in, Uh, you know, we'll pair people who are, who have done this a lot with people who are just exploring and learning. So kind of a a paired product sort of thing. Uh, And then go in and just dig in and, and bring those insights, take, you have 15 minutes, like tell us what's the most interesting things that you've learned, the best opportunities and then the biggest problems you've uncovered. And then that's a great place for us all to start. And what's great about that too, is I think it will also help build the leader because there's a lot of new people, right? So to build the leaderships, um, you know, just uh, cr- the credibility for the team with, with you know, all of the leaders to say, here's how our process works. You know, here's where we're uncovering insights um, and hopefully share something they didn't know so uh, yeah, that we can all go and solution on together. So I'm really excited Great. about it. I'd love to talk more about it after it actually happens, but that's really yes, the, let's the, do the it. idea. <laughs> love that. Well, um, as we kind of finish up here, um, would you all kind of give some homework out? I know we kind of bounced around from like starting with architecture and ended up with co-creation okay. with executives, but uh, tends to be the product coffee MO. Is there any homework that you'd give to listeners this week um, based on the conversations we had? I would say if going back to the architecture point, as a PM, you should care just as much about how something is built as what is being built because those are the things that will ultimately impact your product in the future. So if you're not technical, and I know a lot of times product people don't always have to come from a technical environment, I would encourage you to really build up that skill set because it will benefit you in the future. I agree. And and to double down on that, on, on something you might be able to do this week, I started taking a Python class because we're obviously talking a lot about our, you know, our data infrastructure and it just helped, it's going to help me uh, be able to have uh, even deeper conversations, obviously understand it at a higher level, but really getting in and actually coding in it myself uh, is something that's going to be really helpful. Just having those conversations because it's such a big part of our strategy and I want to be able to, you know, uh, be empathetic to our engineers. I want to understand the decisions that they're making. So I think that really uh, ladders into uh, Lou's point there. I agree. Like a lot of times it can be easy, especially if you're on an experienced team and, you know, to to kind of get to one level deep, right? But mm. really get try to get into the architecture, try to go one or two levels 
uh, deeper. Uh, most backend engineers that I've worked with are very happy to sit down and draw some diagrams. And uh, sometimes what I've done to facilitate those conversations is I'll draw a picture in my head of what I think it looks like. Here's what I think our architecture looks like. And it's often laughable, right? Uh, from a first pass. And it's a great way to start the conversation and just make it really light and fun. <laughs> but that's something that's been really helpful for me. But I, I agree with Lou, like get into the, get into the weeds one, one level deeper this week. Yeah. I think that's a great advice. And then on the, the comment on, on alignment, I think, you know, if you don't know what your use cases are for your product, figure those out. Jobs to be done is a great framework, but just having a use case in general, you know, persona problem you're solving for, um, and, and alignment there could be, can go a long way, right? If you have that same understanding, it just becomes a question on how we can most impact that which is, is, a, is a step in that right direction around alignment and, and pointing your team in the right direction. So, um, Love it. yeah. Well, great. Thank you all for joining us today. It looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.